going on? Welcome to Podcast Revived, episode number six. I am your host, as always, Shane Craig, and joining me is the lovely Jesse Craig. Hi. Guys, we have a great show for you today. We're going to be talking a little bit about the Marvel's Avengers game. We're going to talk about the presence of women in video games, what that means, and we're going to give the next in the top ten games of the decade, which you will have to wait till the end of the show in order to hear what game is next, but it's one of my favorite games of all time, so excited to talk about that game for the umpteenth time. But before we go any further, let's stop and thank our first sponsor of the show. It is a YouTube channel. You're going to find it under DJB, D-E-E-J-A-Y space B-E-E. It's hosted by David. He's already got a pretty good little following on his YouTube channel where he covers European football. I'm going to call it European football instead of soccer. He may find this insulting because mm-hmm. to me, football's football. I'm a, See, I, I'm an American. I'm from America. Oh. So I don't know a lot of... Look, I know a little bit about soccer. You know, like it was one of those games you'd play like when you were in... When I was in school. You go out into the, onto the, the playground and you'd play the soccer. Sure, I don't know as much as, as he does. But what I do know is that as a sports fan myself, it's really plainly obvious to see when someone else is passionate about sports. And he's definitely got that going for him. He's got that infectious sort of passion. He's got about 1,400 subs on YouTube, and he's done it very quickly. So if you love the sport of football and you want to hear an honest, real opinion on the sport, I can tell you exactly where to go. Personally, you know, as I watched my American football team get ignored and counted out by all all of the mainstream media all year long as we bulldozed our way to the AFC Championship, mm-hmm. I can totally understand why people would want to turn to YouTube and sort of get away from these so-called journalists, these men and women that sit behind their fancy desks and they espouse nonsensical bullshit. Wearing their fancy suits. Their and suits and their makeups. I was going to say all the makeup. It's just, and they don't, and look, a lot of them don't know what the hell they're talking about. And I, I imagine it's like that for every sport that I pay attention to. So it's probably like that for this <laughs> sport as well. So go check them out on YouTube. Like I said, you're going to search for D-E-E-J-A-Y. All is in one word, like DJ, B, spelled B-E-E. You can also find a link to his YouTube channel, scaryfluteral.com slash friendsofsil, or just scaryfluteral.com and find the Friends of SIL link up at the top. He's got a blog post there that's got a video embedded and a link directly to his channel. So go check Daniel out. Tell me what you think. So let's talk about this Marvel's Avengers game. I'm kind of intrigued by this. We were watching some footage, some gameplay of it the other day. I think we watched Jack Frags play it, and then I think we watched I think we watched Alana Pierce play a little bit of it, maybe. And we kind of there there there's a first off, the game looks kind of fun. I like the idea of of sort of I've always enjoyed like co-op, um, beat 'em up kind of games. Yeah. So it, for those that don't know, basically like you're 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 picking one of the Avengers and you're running through these missions cooperative style almost reminds me if you played the like the Lego games yeah from back in yeah, the day yeah it really does feel like that we were just running around beating stuff up those <coughs> games are fun you know cooperative beat em up kind of games are fun so I'm you know I'm intrigued by it It there's something about it that maybe, maybe 
Maybe if I felt it, maybe it would feel differently, but there's something about it that doesn't quite scream $60 game to me. Maybe that's something that... I feel like there's going to be, you know, microtransactions and things like that oh, as they probably. go forward. They're gonna, my, my take is that it seems like they're, they're, they're going to try to continually, like, add new Avengers and new missions and kind of make it like a games of service kind of thing. Yeah. And if that's going to be your thing, like, you know, maybe don't charge $60 for it at the game. But whatever, maybe maybe it's good. I don't know. The reviews aren't, the reviews aren't out yet. I haven't played yet. It well, see, that's just a starting price, though. Sure. 60 I mean. If there are microtransactions, yeah. is that going to, you know, add on to that? But there is something that, as we were watching it, kind of came to our attention. And I'm going to put a slightly different spin on it. These superhero games, right, where you're playing as a superhero, they seem to be, much like in the Arkham series... And, and, and the Spider-Man games. Excuse me. They seem to be beating human beings <laughs> beyond the point of, of repair. I'll give you a really good example. In Spider-Man 2, not the movie, but the game on the PS2 GameCube, you could grab a, a, a villain, a man, a human, and if you were good... <laughs> You could get to the top of the Empire State Building, <laughs> oh, no. and there was this move you could do where you could like, like if you ever watch wrestling, like a pile driver, where you jump and you put their head like like at your knees, and then you just kind of <laughs> sit down with their head crushing on the ground. You could get all the way to the top of the Empire State Building, and you could with this man, and you could jump <laughs> off of it and pile drive him all the way to the street below. <laughs> and it's like, first off. Spider-Man would just pop up like nothing. He'd be like, it's fine. It didn't hurt him at all. But, like, that man... He's dead now. He's not just dead. Like, there's nothing left of him. You've... Like, his feet are now in the same physical... His feet are occupying the same physical space as his head. It's like, there's up. there's no room for him left. <laughs> Spider-Man's like, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. <laughs> just a blip, just splattering people on the pavement. Oh. And I always thought that was funny, like in like the Arkham games, it would do that slow mo X ray thing where it's like, oh, you you shattered his spine. <laughs> it's like he's like, don't worry, he's not dead. <laughs> well, he's a cripple. No killing. No killing. You <laughs> severed his spinal column. Uh huh. He's fine. Yep. I don't think he's fine. <laughs> and sometimes they'd be laying on the ground and like they're like they're in some kind of like yoga pose where their feet are up next to their ears. Yeah. And he's yep. like, no killing. <laughs> You wadded that man up like a piece of garbage and threw him into the waste <laughs> bin. <laughs> he's dead. If he's not dead, he probably wishes that he was. So it's funny that you're bringing this up because I think I was making some comments I was, as we were watching this um, this gameplay. Because I think Jack was playing as uh, Thor. Thor, and he's hitting people with, with, a, <laughs> with a giant hammer. And I reacted. I said, if, if you took... <laughs> If I just took a hammer and hit somebody with it, I don't even have to be a god to hit somebody with a sledgehammer, and they're dead. I've so, killed them. And if Thor does it, they're, like, so dead. We'll see. I, I um, recorded some notes as we were watching this, and when we were watching Thor hitting these people with hammers, I said, how much does Thor have to pull back not to kill people with this hammer? Yeah, I mean... He or his lightning. He has to just... Just ever so gently, just kind of dink <laughs> them on the head. Boop. 
and they're they're you know they're broken rib rib cage. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there, any any amount like there's only one sort of damage that a hammer can do to a person's body, <laughs> and it's not good. It's not <laughs> yeah. like we applaud this guy for things that people go to prison for. Beating, he's like yeah, he's beating the living shit out of people, redneck style. If it was a, redneck if it style, was a claw hammer, <laughs> that's Florida man shit. Yeah. It's like, oh no, it's Mjolnir. If it was like a claw hammer, like a ball peen hammer, we'd be like, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's crazy. So no, it's just a block of like super some sort steel. of magical metal that is so heavy that no one can lift it. <laughs> and, and you're he's, hitting people he's in the raking chest with it, it, raking it against the flesh of humans. <laughs> like it can only hurt you in one way, you know. It's like, it's like you can't shoot a guy gently. It's like. <laughs> It doesn't work that way. If you shoot them, you've shot them. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand how these superheroes manage to not kill these... Hulk. The Incredible Hulk punching mm-hmm. people. Um. Uh, so for him, is that Hulk slamming people on the ground repeatedly. Yeah, grabbing so by the legs. It just bounce them off the ground. Yeah, you know that these people are like... They're not dying because it's Disney superhero crap. So, no, just, you know, leave them in a state where they're going to be in a hospital bed for the rest of their lives. They're, they're jelly now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, <laughs> severely brain damaged. Oh, yeah, 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 um, for sure. Some other thoughts that I had, which I thought I would bring up. Uh, so, uh, which superheroes have confirmed kills and how many? Hmm, who is the most murderous superhero? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't, I think it's at a certain point. So they did a storyline about this. I think it was the, the, uh, Red Hood storyline for Batman and the, the, their little movie where he was killing people. Okay. He was, it was like, why are you fucking around with this stuff? Just kill them. Yeah. They're bad people. Just kill them. And, you know, okay, so, like, why is it that, in these sorts of games, in these sorts of movies, in these sorts of, you call them embodiments of a power fantasy, like, it would not be nearly as satisfying if Batman swoops in and he he disarms the guy and then he ties him up, throws him in the corner. And the guy's just like, ah, you, you got me again. <laughs> and then he turns and he's just throwing like ropes at people's legs and just tying them up and nobody's even taking any damage at all. But that'd be like sufficient though. It'd be like it a weird... Be. We need a kung fu hero like Jackie Chan like it he's would not be, killing people. It'd be 100% he's beating him up with a dry eraser. He's just you know? slap him, slapping him in the face with a chair. With a fish or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. But that would be totally <laughs> sufficient to just tie them up. But if we watched if we played that game without any sort of impact... We'd be like, eh, it's kind of lame. Yeah. I want, I want to, I want to, I want to cripple them. <laughs> it's because we want violence, but we don't want the, uh, we don't want the guilt. We also don't want to admit to to boomers that video games are violent. <laughs> so why, why? I guess that's the question I have: is why is it that we, as a species, why do we crave the violence? Why do we we crave the violence fantasy? But we don't crave the consequences. We were up last night until about one in the morning watching a UFC event. Mm-hmm. You know, we crave the violence, but when it's over, there's no consequences, really. I yeah. mean, I mean, look, 
there are. There's money. There's pride. There's these sorts of things. Injuries. But no one dies. Yeah. I mean, the consequences are, are you know, again, I don't want to minimize them. I mean, people get hurt. But no one dies. Right. So we're acting out this, we're acting out the the fantasy of of this of this level of violence but but we but we're like ugh consequences though yeah you're getting right just right up on that edge and then just not really jumping over um <clears throat> yeah i think that uh that's that's like my question it's like how are we really justifying that these are superheroes but they're doing things that are <laughs> it doesn't make really any sense. hurt like Another thought I had <clears throat> that I recorded, how many enemies have died due to extensive injuries or like repercussions of their injuries? Well, so, I mean, in canon, realistically. realistically, it would be a lot. In canon, it would be very few. And I think that gets to a, a, another even deeper question of like, they can kill Thanos and everyone's like, yeah. You can kill Thanos. That's fine. But if if one of like Thanos's and I guess Thanos' minions too could be killed because they were like non humanoid, right? Yeah, but so I guess that's why it was okay, was because they weren't humans. Right. But if Thanos has like an underling that's humanoid, like what level what percentage of evil do you have to be before <laughs> it's okay for someone to cut you in half long ways? You know, like, like where, mm-hmm. where's the line? It's like, no, you can't kill him. He's only 70% evil. <laughs> you must uh, subdue him. No, he's got two arms and two legs. Two you can't, eyes, a nose, and a mouth. Don't, don't kill him. Not killable. Looks too much yeah. like, like my friend John. <laughs> but if he looks like an orc, slice and dice, my friend. Yeah, I guess. Like, there's a slight change from humanoid to not humanoid enough and then you can kill them speciesism that's a word <laughs> guys I, guys ears are a little big i think it's cool to kill him <laughs> got some like a kind of an underbite he's green fucking kill him <laughs> fucking kill him kill him we don't think about this shit like this oh that, i do but that really like uh, you know we as a as a, as a oh, culture okay but it really i mean it really is kind of true though we're, we're totally cool with killing with killing things that monsters. Oh, he's a monster. That that was my air quote. Monsters. Well, let's move on to another potential um, hotbed of controversy here, real quick. There's a news report that came out uh, just a little bit ago, and it basically very great reporter Jason Jason Schreier. One of the few people in the video games industry that might actually be a, be a reporter. He reported on, um, I think this was for Bloomberg. He actually wrote this for, and it basically was detailing how Ubisoft's um, their sort of working culture could be seen as being hostile towards women. It had, you know, things being said like apparently on on the newer Assassin's Creed is is the new one. It's the new one, Odyssey. What's the new Assassin's Creed game coming out? At any rate, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. They wanted the people making the game apparently wanted the protagonist to just be um, a female character. Okay. They were gonna do this in 
in Unity, and they were told that's a lot of extra production work to make a female character. We'll do it next time. Wait, what? Right. So then <laughs> <What>? they <laughs> so then they did it again, and they were they wanted to make the protagonist be you know a female. And apparently they were told, well, there needs to be a male option too because the phrase that that was used in this article was that, quote, women don't sell. Oh. So they didn't want to have just a woman be the protagonist. Oh, okay. So I guess there's two layers to this question for me. Layer number one would be if women as protagonists in games don't sell... Why would that be? And then to, you know, where how 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 does that how does that get addressed? Because yeah, but can they prove that though? Because right. like we have plenty of female protagonists that yeah. do sell and have sold. And it's interesting. I mean, Hellblade comes to mind recently. Like yeah. that game must have done relatively well because they're getting sequels. And that's and a ports. really non-toxic, like pro or non-problematic protagonist. Also, yeah. I mean, there there have been. I mean, there 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 have been. I mean, look at The Last of Us sold really well. That's Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider's like selling for you know, has sold for for a long time. For a long time, for other reasons other than it's a powerful female. You know, obviously, like people played because so, she was wearing booty shorts and a tank top, but that does sell. Boobs. So women only sell when we want them to sell because. They sell a lot. So, like, I guess, I guess the question then becomes: If this isn't grounded in reality, is this just? Does this just sound like, you know, stubborn? Yeah. Old fashionedness. Yeah, it's it's not. That's not a true statement, because we have examples of them selling Bayonetta, Metroid. Yeah, there's um. <clears throat> Oh, what was the one? I literally was just thinking of it. I could probably... Horizon. Yeah, Horizon. People love Aloy. So, I mean, so it's clear that that's not objectively true. So it may, may, perhaps this is, this is a holdover to, you know, the idea that video games are, are a, a hobby for boys and, and maybe these guys... I think that's what it is. ...grew up with that ideal in their brain and, and don't want to let it go. It sounds like things are changing. It sounds like this, this report was kind of done in a way to say shed some light on this and that things are beginning to, to change. But definitely not something that you want to hear out of a out of one of the largest studios on planet Earth. I think it's, I think it's telling us their personal or somebody in that company's overarching personal bias is that they don't feel like a female maybe what they're lead saying character is, I don't want to play as a female yeah <laughs> I don't want to play as a female or I don't think that a female could be the hero in my game that I'm making they don't feel like it's realistic for a female lead I guess in their game I personally I, you know I'm one of those strange people that Whenever I play a game that has a choice and option to be male or female, I tend to pick female, and and I don't really know why. I I, I haven't really thought about it too deeply, but I tend to I tend to think that I tend to think that female the female characters when they're done correctly are more interesting, and I think a lot of yeah. the time it might be because they're allowed 
female characters are allowed to show more emotion. They're allowed to be more vulnerable. And you can take this as a negative, mm-hmm. but I, I can't take it as a, as a positive because I'm so sick of playing macho, you know, I'm the big strong man. Right. I don't feel anything but anger. Right. It's boring. Yeah. Like, I don't want to play that character. So, so seeing someone, you know, experience, I mean, look at the Tomb Raider reboot. I mean, she was, you know, at, at times I mocked the constant whimpering. But Oh, like, it's horrible. But the fact that she was allowed to experience loss and regret and, and, and you know, a and lot shame. of these. We need to be in a world where the, the, male, the male protagonist can, can sort of have the same breadth of experience as yeah. well and we need to stop stigmatizing uh you know the gender roles in that sense you know people oh, it's sexist both ways people are people and people have myriad emotional experiences i remember wa- uh, playing the game called spec ops the line and that game was incredible because it it, it was this it, it looked like a third person action war game but it totally wasn't it it it, it went into this soldier's sort of slow mental decline as he became, you know, more and more regretful of his actions in the theater of war, and and he began kind of, you know, losing grip on reality. And I was like, man, like taking what looks like a tropey third-person war game and turning it into something like this was yeah. incredible. No one played it because the marketing was terrible. Everyone just thought it was a third-person, a generic-looking third-person war game, but it wasn't. That's awesome, and that game came out, you know, like a decade ago, and we've not really seen a whole lot of things like that since, and it's yeah. it's it's a bummer. Maybe we need to, like you said, get away from these stereotypical lead characters, and maybe game developers need to try more normalized people. Why do we lean towards tropes so heavily? Is is it just is it is it a is because it just, we want to play? Well, that and we want to play is the ideal version of ourselves if you're playing as a girl you want to be you know attractive strong but not too strong as a guy you want to be the most masculine macho man ever does this come back to the prior subject the power fantasy i wonder probably probably in some in some ways yeah, it's interesting. It's 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 discouraging, but it's good to see things kind of changing. I know that The Last of Us got into trouble because they, you know, people thought they were shoehorning diversity into the game and so forth. But oh my God, we can't have diverse yeah. characters in our games. I, no, I would say that you know we were watching the Umbrella Academy um, the last few days, and there's a character with um, he appears to be pretty heavily on the spectrum and we were wondering you know what role this character would play because you know there's the old adage that if there's you know let's use the example of a guitar in the corner in a scene then by three scenes from now some about better have played that guitar or shouldn't have been in the shot mm-hmm. what is this character going to um what are they going to serve and i, I you know when you're speaking about the last of us and and then putting these you know more diverse characters in there my thing is you know look if it serves the story, if it's there for a reason, if it's if it's driving the plot, if it's doing something like that, I don't really care what you're doing. Like the character in the first Last of Us game, um, Bill, mm-hmm. who if you read through some of the stuff there, it was not in your face, but it was there to be seen. You could determine that Bill, you know, was in a relationship with a man who had died during the struggle and totally changed the way you looked at this character, added a lot of depth to him, took him for me from being a character that I would have been like, Ah, eh, you know, funny character, whatever. 
to being like, oh no, this dude's this dude's went through a lot. Yeah. And and it's you know, look at look at the situation he was in and so forth. And it really adds depth to the character. So I think a lot of it is just just old school, you know, hang ups and, and backwards minded thinking that hopefully continues to to go away. I've got a podcast recommendation to pass along here real quick. It's called Side Project Podcast, and you can find, first off, a link to them. Again, scaryifliteral.com. Check for the Friends of SIL link up at the top. And, uh, yeah, so basically Side Side Project Podcast is a variety podcast with a comedic touch that tends to focus on gaming, movies, film, cosplay, art, and more is created by Chazzy, bringing in a longtime friend Julio Juicebox Reyes. It's a great nickname. I love that. To discuss topics across the gaming industry, the film world, and much more, giving their views and opinions in often quirky ways that will make you wipe your tears as you laugh away the pain and despair that is today's world. If you want to forget about the nonsense going on right outside your window, look no further. Completely ignore all of your responsibilities and specifically tune into the Side Project Podcast. And remember, watching and subscribing on YouTube gets you 100 project points. What are project points? Who knows? Check out youtube.com slash sideprojectpodcast and project is spelled P-R-O-J-E-K-T. Make sure you get that right. They're on all the different streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. They're also on Twitter, at Side Project Podcast. Check them out to stay update, up to date, I should say. So like I said, if you check out scaryfluteral.com, Friends of SIL link, there's a, an episode embedded in a blog post about them. Genuinely funny. These two are actually really, really funny. The intro had me laughing really hard. They've got a really good audio set up. They've got good production quality. These guys are going to be up-and-comers. Check them out if you want to listen to just a genuinely funny podcast. These two are clearly... You know when you listen to a podcast or see a show and two people are clearly like actually good friends in real life and they've got that camaraderie and that sort of uh, chemistry, chemistry is the word not I'm like looking for? Not like us at all. No, not like us at no. all. This is just a right. complete train wreck every time we try to do this. <laughs> They've got that going on, and it's really endearing, and it's really, really a great lesson. So do go check them out. So let's close the show with talking about Metacritic's number eight game of the decade. I'm going to roll them together because there's a remaster. We were talking about, of course, The Last of Us. It is... of the, If you're going to talk about the decade, it, you can make the argument that it's my favorite game of the decade. You, <laughs> you could make an argument that it might be my favorite game of the ever of the ever possibly might be why is it wow why is it so low on the list well so metacritic has it with an average review score of 95 wow so there are some higher some higher rated games in that and, i'm uh, not sure which like i really expected this to be closer to the top i mean we're talking about over the course of a decade i mean you know it's it's it's, exactly. over, it's over a lot of games there's been a lot of games released mm-hmm. but I, you know so there was a I was thinking about a topic that I probably, I don't know, maybe we'll revisit, but I was thinking about a topic that could be like, what was our, what's our favorite video game antagonist, our favorite bad guy from a video game? Mm-hmm. And as I was ruminating on this topic, I thought it might be Joel. <laughs> Joel, yeah, because he is a bad guy. He is unequivocally the villain of the, or a villain in this story. He dooms the world. He is the villain of <laughs> the story. Literally. <laughs> Dooms dooms the world to continue in, mm-hmm. in, in, in the, the plague that is in The Last of Us. 
I, you know, you're talking about, you know, characters being able to show different emotions and, and different things like that. Naughty Dog has been on that for a long time. Oh, yeah. And they've been slowly progressing more and more in that direction. So it's funny to me that people suddenly are upset about this. Like, you've not been paying attention to the trajectory that they've been taking. <laughs> they literally state it in... They didn't really state it in Uncharted, but in definitely in the sequel. They they were like, oh yeah, Nate's kind of a mass murderer. Let's have some self-reflection here. Yeah. And then The Last of Us, I mean, they really just... It's subtle. They're not telling you that, but if you don't finish the game and feel like an asshole, <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's like it's I've epic. like I've said, you know, I've said in the past, you know, it's one thing to have a game that has a a plot twist in it. It's another thing for the plot twist to start twisting ten hours before the end, mm -hmm. and for you to not even realize that you were you were actually taking part in it. Yeah. And that's what I experienced in The Last of Us. It wasn't until the credits rolled that, you know, spoiler alert, if you've not played The Last of Us, you're like 10 years late on this one. But uh, <laughs> so if you don't want to hear the ending, then stop listening. <laughs> but, you know, at the end, Ellie, you know, the, the question of, you know, are you are, are you lying to me, essentially? And his response of no, which is a, which is a lie. A lie. It kind of, shifted the whole the whole game for me the last 10 hours of gameplay changed and that's that's the mark of a great plot twist is to be able to go oh so that was this and this was that and I was wrong about all of this mm -hmm. and it didn't change it in a way that's worse it changed it in a way that was better yeah and you know there's little touches in that game where I remember there there's a section where Ellie has been taken captive and you you wake up as an injured Joel. And the brilliance here. So they've given you plenty of time to become attached to Ellie. And they've let you play as Ellie, protecting Joel. Mm -hmm. So now now you have a, a instinct of reciprocity. You know that she's been taken because you've seen it. So you, you know that you want to hurry through this. They push the pace. You're injured. So you have that kind of wounded dog mentality. On top of that... They started tweaking the AI. I remember there's a, a portion where I snuck up on a couple of people and I hit them with a Molotov, mm -hmm. and uh, one of them, as as his as his comrade, burned to the ground. The guy he exclaims to his other friend something to the something to the effect of "This guy's crazy. Let's get out of here!" And they start mm -hmm. they run from me. Yeah, and that of course pulled out in me the instinct to to chase them. Yeah. I was no longer playing stealthy. I was like, you're damn right I'm fucking crazy and I'm going to murder every one of you until I get to Ellie. Yeah. It pulled that aggression out of you. And and by virtue of doing that it, it started sort of programming you to be willing to do more and more um, horrible things to the people that stood in between you and Ellie. Until that ending, when you were willing to... I mean, I murdered... I, you, you murder a doctor. I murdered the nurses. I executed them pointlessly, needlessly. Just put them down because they could have been a threat. I didn't know. So mm -hmm. I was like, better be safe than sorry. Put a, put a bullet in your brain. And that was... The the, the 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 genius of it, I almost said the beauty of it. I guess in a strange sense, it's, it's, it's beautiful it's storytelling. A, it's a dark beautiful... You didn't, or I did not realize that's what was happening until the lie was revealed. Right. And then I was like, 
oh, I'm a I'm the bad guy. Mm-hmm. They got me to play the role of the bad guy willingly, and I played it. I played it well. I was the bad guy. Like I thought immediately. I thought back. Like oh, I probably didn't have to kill those nurses. Yeah, <laughs> those nurses probably would have just cowered there in fear. Yeah, probably was no need for me yeah. to kill them. But man, I did. I calmly walked over, put the revolver in their face, and fired. It's like. Nope, you're you're not gonna be here for this. You're you're done. And that was always like my favorite litmus test was to ask people that, that finished The Last of Us, did you kill the nurses? Right. And I would get different answers. I'd say that people some people would say, Oh no, they seemed like they were afraid. They didn't seem like they were gonna be a problem, so I left them. And then some people would be like, Oh, I came in just firing a machine gun mm-hmm. and just mowed down everybody. I think that's what I did. I think I was just like I think I went in like uh, guns a blazing. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting litmus test because I, I I think it's interesting to me because I feel like the way I did it was was potentially worse than just coming in guns a blazing because there's no there's not any deeper thought in it. It's just like I've killed a bunch of people. I'm gonna keep killing a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Whereas I walked in, the doctor turns and says, "You can't be in here," and he picks up a scalpel. So I'm like threat. Mm-hmm. So I, I, at this point, I was low on ammo, so I had my revolver left, mm-hmm. which was my favorite gun in that game. So I just pulled up the revolver and shot him in the brain, and he hits the ground, and the two nurses are like, oh, my God, and they're kind of backed up against the, the cabinets, and they're kind of cowering. And I kind of stood there for a second, and I kind of observed the room. Ellie's on the table, nurses against the wall there. And I thought, I thought, well... You know, I, I don't know that they're not going to be a threat. So I just kind of walked over to him nice and calmly and <laughs> just took aim and fired and walked over to the other one and took aim and fired and then walked over and scooped her up and <laughs> walked out the door. And, you know, in the moment, you know, you don't think anything of it. You're just like, they're complicit in this. There might have even been some anger there where I'm like, you're complicit in this. Mm-hmm. You're You're part of this. And I'm punishing you, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to. It's it's hard to remember my exact thoughts. But I was a hundred percent playing the role of the bad guy. Yeah. You know, like, and 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 you don't you don't see it until the very end. What a brilliantly made game! What an incredible game! It's a shame that I have no interest in playing the second one. Maybe one day I will. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah. it. But yeah, The Last of Us. What do, I mean? Do you have any any further thoughts on? Why this game deserves to be number what did I say number eight in the top ten of the decade? Um, yeah, because uh, they they paced out the gameplay in such a beautiful way. You would have these exploration uh, segments where you could explore a town, um, you know, like a little foresty area. You can find hidden collectibles. You know, uh, the the jokes that Ellie and uh, Joel would share and then you would go through these segments that were just chaotic or um, in my case extremely scary it took me a long time to finish that game because I got stuck in I was stuck in the segment where there's a flooded room and a generator mm-hmm. and you had to turn on the generator mm-hmm. I think it was in the bottom like in the hotel basement yeah then the bloater would come out and- yes and it it honestly freaked me out so bad that I stopped playing the for sound months. Design. The sound design. The sound design there, because I, I play every game with... I was genuinely with, afraid. I play every game with, you know, surround sound headphones on. And yeah. 
that that section was genuinely stressful because you yeah. hear the clickers and you hear them sloshing through the water and you mm-hmm. know that when I turn on this generator, like you know something's gonna happen. That's it. You so, know, yeah. you anticipate it, and you're not wrong. Um, also, the um, the part where Joel is strung up with a chain and mm-hmm. he's having to shoot at the clickers running at his face while mm-hmm. Ellie's trying to get him down from the chain. Yeah. Oh my God. I think that for me, perhaps the strongest scene in the game, the scene that that man, there's so many scenes in that game. I can't, really I can't, good. I can't even really say this because as soon as I started to say this, I thought of another scene that impacted me just as just as strongly. But the scene where Joel gets to Ellie and the character David is she she's managed to fight him off. And oh yeah. She's grabbed that machete and she's you know she's not just killed him. She's continuing to. To kill mm-hmm. an already dead man, she's just you know destroying his head with a machete. I think it was a machete. Yeah. Um, man, how real! I mean that 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 projection of fear and that that she she's so afraid that even though it's rationally clear that she's killed him, she's she's so scared that she's not stopping. Yeah, and and man, also I mean, that it, that we knew what was going to happen. Without but them they did it. Saying it. They didn't have to say it. Yeah. They didn't have to show anything. Right. I mean, it wasn't even. I mean, it was just beautiful. You could see it. You could see. You could see what was going to happen without them needing to to wave it in your face and potentially risk sexualizing the character. Mm-hmm. And and they didn't have to do any of that. They just did it through the acting and through the through the gameplay. Truly, a, a an incredible game. That if anyone you know hasn't played it man hopefully we didn't spoil too much i did warn you though but mm-hmm. uh an incredible game definitely deserving of that spot uh, in my list it's probably higher well it did it did you know i feel like our relationship basically blossomed through this game yeah it was one of the first the first thing we played together yeah, i think it was on our our first date our first date shane said hey um i want you to play the intro to this game and I played it, and then you know, uh, you know, cried a little bit because mm-hmm. I just watched someone's daughter die in his arms. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm crying in front of this this guy on my first date. Mm. But that was exactly like that. Like I, you're like, I'm gonna test. Her. I can't say that I wanted that <laughs> to happen, but I, I kind of, I guess I did because when I played the prologue, um, yeah, I, I definitely teared up, and then I had to go to work. Like I like I had slow internet at that point, and, and not to mention that PlayStation Network's downloads are just horrendously mm-hmm. slow. Yeah. So I had waited until the store updated so I could start my download at like you know whatever two o'clock in the morning or some stupid shit, and then I got up early because I re- I was like I I gotta play the intro to this game. So I got up early before I went to work and I played the intro to the game that played that prologue, and I had to stop and go to work. So the prologue ends, and you know she's died in his arms. And I had to like put down the controller, and I was like, "Okay, now I gotta go to work for eight hours or nine hours." <laughs> and think it was. about this. And I was like, "Holy shit! What did I? What did I just play? Like it like hit me hard." Mm-hmm. Yeah, game starts off hard, and 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 it knows when to pull the punches, and it knows when to hit you again. It knows when to surprise you. Yeah, I don't think there's much more much more we need to say on. Ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for today's sponsor, DJB, on YouTube, as well as the Side Project 
podcast. Thank you guys for supporting the show. You can find links to both of them in the show notes or on the Friends of SIL blog at scaryfluteral.com. Head on over to scaryfluteral.com for all the links to our YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, etc. We're getting ready to open up a YouTube membership so that would be a great way for you to support the show. It's going to start off $1.99 and it'll get you shout outs on different videos. So that'll be a great thing to consider doing if you're able to support us. Keep in mind that I'm currently doing this stupid thing as my full-time job for some reason. <laughs> so help me out with that. So, uh, yeah. Thank you for joining me today, Jesse, as always. My name is Shane. This was Podcast Revived. And until next time, stay nerdy, my friends. Bye.